0: Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad! And then there were two. We didn't think there was just going to be two, but then there were two. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from madwolf.com. And the Screening Room Podcast is sponsored by Marcus Crosswood's Theater.
1: With their 70-foot-wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and Dream Lounger recliners.
0: Yeah, we knew we'd have a couple of big movies this week, but we thought there'd be more. But everybody's kind of getting out of the way. Like they
1: all chickened out.
0: And you know what? That might be a smart idea, especially for this first one. A musician helps a young singer and actress find fame, even as age and alcoholism send his own career into a downward spiral. The latest remake of A Star Is Born. Can I ask you a personal question? Okay. Do you write songs or anything? I don't sing my own songs. Why? I just don't feel comfortable. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Almost every single person has told me they liked the way I sounded, but that they didn't like the way I look. I think you're beautiful. What? I just want to take another look at you.
1: All of the deep, end, watch as I dive I never meet the ground. We're far from the shallow now. Now you made me sit through all three. Of the previous installments, <laughs> I'd never seen one, nor had I ever had the slightest interest in seeing really, one. Really, yeah. No.
0: I, I really have a big memory from childhood of the 1976 version. I had the soundtrack, wore it out. Yeah, you know, "Star Is Born" then was Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson.
1: And you've and, always kind of had a had a, a fondness for Chris Christopherson. You're a fan.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And um, you know this this version is has more similarity to that version than the other two, because mm-hmm. it's set in the world of rock music, and there's some other pretty distinct homages. But, uh, you know, as someone asked me a couple of weeks ago, what was my favorite version? Well, my, my answer is different now. Right. Because this one is pretty darn, it's very good. Mm-hmm. It lives up to the hype.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and I think, I mean, no one is surprised that Bradley Cooper is uh, does a great job in, in his performance He's, no, if, he's if become they, a very reliable, very a, a perennial Oscar contender, yeah, really.
0: If, if they are surprised, they're not paying attention right. because he has given us great performance after great performance. But this is his directing debut.
1: That's the thing. I mean, what we may not have known is that he is a very solid director and that Lady Gaga is a really solid actor. It,
0: it's really amazing. She's obviously already a star. But if you're going to have somebody, there's there's really two new stars born here. Bradley right. Cooper as a director and Lady Gaga as a movie star. She's done some acting. Yeah, she was, yeah, the uh, American Horror Story. She just, she just owns this movie. It's just so, the main thing about this one that sets it apart from the other versions of this story, and not to say that you have to have seen any of the other ones to appreciate this, you don't, but it does give you a bit of a deeper lens to view it through because my overriding opinion as the film went on, it just seemed so much more authentic. Right. Right from the beginning. Yes. You know, the opening scene is a rock concert with Bradley Cooper on stage and I guess he went through like 2 years of rock star training. Mm-hmm. And it paid off. I yeah. mean, he looks the part. Yeah. He really and does. And he plays
1: the guitar plays and the guitar. he moves around on stage right. well. Yeah. No, he's very sings. convincing.
0: The singing is fine. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess he co-wrote some of the songs. Nice. Two or three of the songs. So right from the beginning it looks it looks great. And you know, this whole melodrama because that's what it is that yeah. it's at its heart is a melodrama is driven by the relationship between, in this case, his name is uh, Jackson Maine. Mm-hmm. You know, the classic name was Norman Maine. It's Jackson Maine here. Um, and his relationship with the young star, this time just goes by one name, Allie, mm-hmm. played by Lady Gaga. And right away, even in the other versions, you're thinking, okay, this this older star is so entranced, so infatuated right from the beginning with this with this new talent, you understand it in this, in this one. version. Yeah, yes, you absolutely
1: do. do, because he can already
0: feel, you know, his own career
1: sort of, uh, you know, not crumbling in terms of success, but in terms of what he was hoping to accomplish and who he is as a singer and a songwriter, mm-hmm. uh, who he is in terms of somebody who is sharing so, saying something, yeah. saying something important, what he can see in this woman really is what he feels. It's like a new opportunity. Like, this is someone who hasn't gotten her shot to say something, but she has something to say.
0: Yeah, it's uh, to me, it felt like he was seeing a better version of himself, to start again mm-hmm. and do it better. And that's what he tells her, uh, because she has, of course, a fantastic voice. What? But he tells her, everybody has some sort of talent. Right. The trick is, do you have something to say? Right. And that really is the driving, the overriding theme throughout the movie. But everything just feels so authentic. The storytelling is more... It's more layered. It's more character-driven. Yeah. Um, Even when a couple of um, threads to the story are added on, there's Mm -hmm. a relationship with the brother. um,
1: Played by Sam Elliott. Always welcome, Sam Elliott.
0: Uh, Always good. Jackson Maine's brother. That is, is an important throughout the movie and then there's a there's a relationship with um, Lady Gaga Ally her uh, father played by Andrew Dice Clay who yeah who is great yeah he is and you've got that and then you've got a, in a smaller you've got an appearance by Dave Chappelle who comes on a serious role as a longtime boyhood friend of Jack and, and that adds a little bit so mm-hmm. even if they're small even if it's limited screen time it just it adds some some humanity, some emotion yeah. to this movie, and and, makes... and a little backstory. You yeah. know,
1: they don't explain a lot, but you just get a sense of of more. I think who who the male lead is than they give you in other films.
0: Yeah, and the other thing that really anchors this entire movie, because it would be lost without it, is the chemistry between Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. It just jumps off the screen. It does. It's very authentic. As we've said a million times, you cannot fake that. No. You can have the most talented performers in the world, and if you don't have the chemistry, it's just not there. And this one is there from the jump, and it drives the entire movie. You can just tell there's a connection between them, and it really helps the connection between their characters. And another thing that so impressed me. It's just a, another aspect to the performance of Bradley Cooper. And you've brought it up when you look at the movie The Hangover. Yes. Watch Bradley Cooper when he's not speaking. Yes. Or when he's not the focus of a scene. Every little movement and reaction is real. Yeah. As he, as his rock star, is watching her blossom. It just, it seems so, I'm just going to keep back, going back to that word, authentic. Yeah. It seems so real. and. It, it makes every other thing that comes after because you probably I'm gonna guess you know how this movie ends um but I will say they find a way to make that a little bit different to make what happens um their own mm-hmm. in, in this movie just a little bit and but the the real thing the real trick in where this movie goes that I thought was was great and and made it feel again more more authentic was in the previous versions the Downward, the real downward spiral once her star started to rise was ego. Yes. Blows to the ego. And
1: it's funny, I think that's one of the reasons why I, I avoided ever watching these movies and why I don't particularly care for when I do watch them because I think the film asks you to a certain degree to be sympathetic with these dumbass men. Who feel the need to elevate a woman until she gets close to where they are and then they need to tear it down. I hate that. Mm-hmm. And all the whole time I'm like, this is a bad relationship. Why is she in this? Yeah. So I really appreciated that in this film, it is a dress because it would come up, but yeah. it's not you're not asked to sort of empathize with that point of view, and it doesn't become the be all end all of what's going the trajectory of the film. And I really appreciated that.
0: Yeah, what it gets into is when he starts seeing the sacrifices that she starts making in her own vision, in her own artistry, and what she, the things that she has to say for commercial success.
1: Right. And it doesn't beat you over the head with it. It doesn't. And it's interesting because it doesn't, it, it, it shows you, it depicts the difference between trying to find success as a male and trying to find success as a female and Mm -hmm. the way that's packaged. And, but they, again, they don't beat you about the head with it, but it's very, it's very realistic. It is.
0: It's, it makes, you know, nice comments about music, art and commerce about ambition and fame Mm -hmm. and about, of course, love and sacrifice. And, but it's all done very organically and, and very real. And I will say too, I came out of it right away singing some of the songs. I think the songs are solid, a lot of them. And I, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to get the soundtrack and maybe listen to more of them. But a couple of them stand out. You know, I was singing that Shallow mm-hmm. right away. And then that one he sings, I don't know the title of it, about let the old ways yeah, die. Yeah, yeah, That comes not, up a couple times, actually.
1: In the, in the, in, cause, and it's a nice song, but it's also uh, very thematic. It, it works really well, obviously, with the theme of the film.
0: Yeah, very thematic. So I think this one... I've been talking to a few people this week, and I started to view this movie as sort of like a sports story or a sports star that that transcends and, and goes over. You know somebody's big, like a Tiger Woods or a LeBron James, when non-sports fans right. know who they are right. and what they're doing. Well, I've had people come up to me this week who aren't real movie fans, and this movie is on their radar. Right. And that's when I know, okay, we're tapping into something here. and that's why it probably was a good idea for other movies to get out of the way. right? Because this is one
1: of those weekends where the studios were smart enough to put out two big films that don't have a ton of potential crossover audience, right. but they've got enough audience market share that nobody else stands a chance.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to steamroll. And there's there's talent all over this movie, the performers. But I think, in addition to an actor, I think we really have to regard Bradley Cooper now as one of the premier talents. I mean... I think his next project is directing mm-hmm. and starring right. in a biography of Leonard Bernstein. Right. Um, so if this movie is any indication, man, he has a vision, he has a technical skill. The way the movie is presented, it's about two hours and 15 minutes. To me, it did not drag. Nope,
1: and it doesn't feel showy. It does and, and that's important because, as you said, this is a melodrama. It'd be very easy for this to feel so- soap operatic, and it doesn't. But yet, at
0: certain little points, there's the way he frames... Like when he's talking about her nose Mm -hmm. and she's talking about how it's been a detriment. And then just the way the camera frames it just for a couple of seconds and then moves away. Perfect. Yeah. It's like he knew exactly what to strip away from this story, Mm -hmm. which was a lot of pretense and bombast and what every scene needed the approach just to make it work.
1: And the footage, the live footage from the big
0: concert venues, it was just
1: perfect. Perfect. You know, to give you a sense of the excitement, but also the wear and tear. Yeah. Yeah, it was um... the
0: only false note I think that I saw in this entire movie was the character, small character of her manager. He just seemed to be the the typical slimy caricature Damn. of a music guy. a little too one
1: dimensional, yeah. a little too formula.
0: The kind of stuff that, cliche. Yeah, exactly. The kind of stuff that maybe Artie Fufkin was making fun of <laughs> in Spinal Tap, just but just a little bit. That's a very very small knock on a movie that I think is definitely one of the year's best so far, and I think one that is definitely going to be remembered come awards season. Oh yeah. Definitely, and it's going to be a big crowd pleaser, and two big recommendations for the latest A Star is Born. And the one that did have the nerve to take on A Star is Born this week, when Eddie Brock acquires the powers of a symbiote, he will have to release his alter ego, Venom, to save his life. I work at the Life Foundation, and I need your help.
1: We found something. We call them symbiotes. Carlton Drake believes that the union between human and symbiote is the key to our evolution. I'm feeling really sick. I'm hearing a voice.
0: You're not real, you were just in my head. I'm gonna need Mr. Drake's property back. You're gonna stay. You will only hurt bad people. The way I see it, we can do whatever we want. Do we have a deal? Well, right away, the thing that surprises me is how this movie is getting just dragged over the coals. It is not that bad.
1: No, you know, it's a funny thing. Um, it's not as good as it should have been. I'm gonna give them that. But it's a perfectly entertaining I mean it's you but know it- some
0: of these these reviews have just—I'm like, what did you watch? I know.
1: Do you ever wonder if it's just DC people who really want the opportunity to finally get to rip on a Marvel film? I don't know. I don't know. That don't
0: could know. be. But as you said, if this were a DC movie, it would probably be the second best one. Yes. Next after to Wonder, wonder, wonder Woman. Woman.
1: Uh, since, yeah, the second best since Christopher Nolan stopped making them. Yes. Right. After Wonder Woman, no question. Um, it's fun. It's it does have definitely has some issues uh, for sure. It's very truncated in the way it starts, so it it takes a while before it really develops a momentum, and it's more slight than it should be. Mm -hmm. Tom Hardy plays Eddie Brock slash Venom, and Riz Ahmed plays his arch nemesis, and both of them are really, really good. If you don't know who Riz Ahmed is, you should. He's he's in a film also coming out this year called The Sisters Brothers, Mm -hmm. but you should go back and look him up in Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Four lions. Yes. This guy is great and he's really versatile. He plays a lot of different kinds of characters. He is, yeah. And I love what he brought to this because, you know, in almost every comic book, adaptation, at some point you're going to find sort of the young man genius who has a God complex. Mm-hmm. And so often uh, they're all high camp. The, his, his isn't. It's like a, an actual actor who's actually portraying a person <laughs> yeah. who feels like it's, it, it's, it's on him to save the human race and at the same time he feels like only I can save the human race. You know what I mean?
0: You know what this, this movie reminded me of toward the end is a movie that might have had a few too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, You know tinkering with it to be a crowd pleaser because as you say the opportunity is there you've got a character that has At the heart of the story a Jekyll and Hyde thing going on when he gets taken over by the symbiote then you've got a Jekyll and Hyde thing and Who could be uh, be a better actor to pull that off than Tom Hardy? Yeah, but he doesn't he's not really given enough chance to do that
1: No, you're exactly right. I think that is where the film falls flattest uh, he is, he's entirely enjoyable to watch. And one of the fun things about this movie is that he's, he's, he's comedic. He's got this very, got a very humorous role, which we don't get to see much from him. So that's right. fun. Um, but he, he, yeah, this, I, this Jekyll and Hyde notion of one body uh, struggling with, you know, the darkness and the light, right? And, and how that wrestles. He does that in basically every movie. And so it's, it was a like great idea to cast him in somebody who's more literally doing yeah. it, right? Yeah. Like two different and then, and then it, it was an exciting idea of, as opposed to a superhero, it's really an anti-hero. This is the character that we're going to get, and the problem is they just don't mind that. Yeah, it's such a superficial treatment. Uh, and both characters, and he voices both characters. They're both characters are very enjoyable. The Venom character is very funny. Um, he's it, it, and then their interplay is fun to be a part of. But you know what? And I mentioned this when we first reviewed the movie Upgrade. Mm hmm. Right. Which was uh, about that actor who looks like Tom Hardy <laughs> and he's and somebody has put a pl- implanted a chip in him to make him a stronger human being. But the chip has a mind of its own and inside his own head, they argue with each other. And I remember seeing the movie trailer thinking this is just a poor man's venom <laughs> Well, yeah. now watching venom. I thought. In a lot of ways, they did it better in Upgrade, yeah. you know? I mean, Venom, you know, it just, it's too many missed opportunities. And Ruben Fleischer is the director, and he did Zombieland. Which and we right, love. Right there, Zombieland did this exact same thing perfectly, where it has this joyous, this joy of carnage, and this amazing sort of sense of camaraderie, and uh, a great sense of humor, and a lot of action, and a lot of movement, and I missed that sort of inspired treatment here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about what it missed, but what it does have... But it also seems uh, a wasted opportunity of another great talent, Michelle Williams. Yeah,
1: I I was a little baffled by... And, and also the wig. She has the worst wig on. <laughs> but she's she is, across the board, in every instance, magnificent. And she, she just comes off a bit flat
0: here. So let's talk about what it does have going for it. And that is, first of all, overall, it's fun. It is it fun. It's fun enough. And it's full of CGI. And when <laughs> you look at a movie... I'm thinking uh, the upcoming Aquaman. We're oh, only, we, own, we only have the, the trailers, trailers to go to, by. Yeah. But if you go back to um, Justice the Justice League... League. A movie that can be awash in CGI, man, it's got to be good. Now the CGI here is pretty solid. It is.
1: It's very good. It's really fun. Uh, when Venom kind of comes out of Eddie Brock and talks to him in the face, it's very fun. When he's when he's like half coming out, and but but then yeah. so Venom and Riot, his arch nemesis, when the two symbiotes fight, it's nothing but CGI, obviously, yeah. and and it looks great. Yeah. And you're very compelled. And then there are times during the fight sequence where the symbiotes peel, like they punch each other hard enough, the symbiotes peel back, and you can see the. Two actors inside, yeah. and it also looks magnificent. Yeah. I mean and it also comes in at well under two hours, which mm-hmm. is a nice change of pace for yeah. a superhero film. Yeah, and so, it's
0: it's it's PG 13, and if the you know, the parents thinking about the kids, you've got one, I believe one F-bomb, yep. a couple of S words. Yep. But as you pointed out, the violence really is kind of to the side.
1: It is, it's it's very off screen. In fact, I feel like the um trailers really amplify. The potential for violence um, and the film just has more fun with it. But you see there's no blood and you don't. Yeah, you don't yeah. see you see a lot of beating each other up, but you're beating up a symbiote that can't be hurt. So it's 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 a funny treatment and not
0: a very violent film. Yeah. But all in all, at the end of the day, it's still fun. It just feels like a missed opportunity. And, exactly. And still, I just got the feeling like like too many people were meddling. Right. Into into trying well, to it has form four, it.
1: It has four writers and none of them are great.
0: Mm hmm and we should say there is a scene at the end and an actor appears that I wasn't expecting so it was a nice surprise for me maybe some people uh, do know this actor pops up in the movie but there is a stinger to hang around for at the end of the credits so um, it's, it's just one that uh, gets by on its fun quotient but boy It could have been a lot better, and that's Venom. So let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Yeah, first one out on home video this week, one we disagreed a little bit on, Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado. I liked it a little better than you did. You were really disappointed. Well, because we both loved Sicario.
1: We did. We did. And even though I knew that I was going to miss Emily Blunt's character, the idea of digging a little deeper into the characters that were portrayed by Benicio del Toro and Josh Brolin, I loved that idea because those, those two characters were so fascinating to me. And I just felt like this was... Didn't do either one justice.
0: Yeah, it's dark. It goes from dark places. But then, if you saw Sicario, you would expect that. Yes. And the the um, performances great as you would expect. Yes. Catherine Keener also yes. joins the cast. It gets to be a convoluted story, sometimes a little bit hard to keep up with. But I thought, all in all, it was uh, a little more successful than you did. Also, out this week, a uh, one uh, documentary that got a lot of attention this past year. Three identical strangers. This
1: is another one I wouldn't be surprised to see remembered come awards time. It is a fascinating story. Every And every time you're like, oh, I, I, I think I've understood this riddle, they, they give you a new layer. You're yeah. like, why didn't I think of that? I mean, it's, it's really well told. It is absolutely fascinating and yeah, definitely
0: about, worth a look. About these three brothers, triplets, who were separated at birth and who then Found each other accidentally. When, they, accidentally when they were young men. Yeah, and uh, everything that happened after that, and it can be uh, funny and exhilarating and, and frustrating sad and, s- and yeah, frustrating. But it is a crazy story. And the thing that I kept thinking when I watched it was that, you know, I remember it was the time period, the 80s. You know, I was mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. I missed this story completely. I had never heard of these guys. Where was I? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but I'm glad to catch up with it yes. because it's a very very fascinating story. And I, I'm, I think you're right. It probably will be on the short list of some uh, some nominations this year for documentaries also the latest purge the first purge comes out this week
1: and you know it's funny um uh I was a little disappointed in the very first the original film and each successive sequel I was you know it, they lost me a little bit more they kind of turned it around with with this one I was surprised by the way the story took shape it's not brilliant but it really packs a political wall up that I think the first three attempted and missed
0: oh yeah it's very blatant I mean yeah. you're not gonna have to really what are they trying no. to say? Oh no. No. They, <laughs> it's pretty blatant, but I'm with you. I mean, it's it's good and and down and dirty. I mean, it's a purge movie, so you pretty much know what's coming, but you're right that the previous sequels have kind of yeah, trying to hold this idea together, which still at the very heart of it, it's such a great premise. It is. And half of the first movie, the very first mm-hmm. purge movie, half of it was really solid. Yeah. Um, before it kind of wandered off. But I'm with you. This was surprisingly good for the first Purge. Also, another movie that, boy, it slipped through the cracks, I think. Not a lot of people saw it, but I could see this one getting remembered. Couple, I hope come so. Come awards time, and it's a movie called Leave No Trace. I remember I saw it, and, and I just was bugging you to see it. Oh, yeah, and I, I, went,
1: yeah, I went right and I away. I knew
0: you were going to like it, mm-hmm. and it's one of our favorite underrated actors, Ben Foster. Love
1: him in everything.
0: And a new young actress, Thomason McKenzie, and they are father and daughter, and they live uh, an existence in the woods of this park, this national park in Portland. Right. Which is illegal. And so they're constantly on the run and constantly trying not to get caught. And uh, one mistake later, then he is very anxious and very desperate to get back to the woods. And she is starting to feel the pull of a quote-unquote normal that she has never known. And it's... It's so the way you talk about subtle. Oh yeah! I mean, yeah. this movie speaks in silences. Yeah, it does. It between does between the characters. Both actors are great.
1: They are. They're just and they're, great. And their bond is very realistic very and real, heartbreaking, and just as lovely as it can be.
0: Exactly right. It speaks so softly, but says so much in those in those silences. Very, very uh, hearty recommendations for Leave No Trace. And another one that was surprised a lot of people, and and. and Slipped through a lot of cracks that I enjoyed. Was the catcher was a spy? This is Paul Rudd, kind of playing against type. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Paul Rudd. Who can't doesn't? help it? You yeah. can't help it. But he plays a real life figure named Mo Berg, and he was a he played I think ten or fifteen years in the major leagues. The catcher. Uh, yeah, he was a catcher, not a superstar, but solid. But he also was a very interesting guy. He was extremely bright. He spoke several several languages, and when he got out of the playing, got out of the major leagues, he was recruited for his Intellect, his languages, and his discretion uh, to work for the CIA, well, the, the pr- predecessor of the CIA, and was actually at one time given the task of assassinating the man who was working on the nuclear bomb for the Germans. I mean, that is a story. It is. And... Uh, Paul Rudd is really great. I mean, he gets you invested in the character as well as the story. I think the way the movie treats the the spy story is a bit run-of-the-mill. Right. You know, the shadows and the and the feet on the ground and oh, what's around the corner. It's fine, but it's a bit rote. Uh, but the way he treats the character makes it really worth seeing. And I enjoyed it. And I think a lot of people might be surprised by one they may have never heard of. Right. The Catcher Was a Spy. So that's going on at your home entertainment. Really anxious to hear what you think about the two big movies this week. Did you think A Star is Born is as good as everybody, including us, uh, is saying? Did you think Venom is bad as everybody, not including us, is saying? Uh, best way to uh, keep the conversation going with us, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, and i uh, love to uh, hear from you next week A few of these that were supposed to open this week are finally coming out next week. What do we got?
1: We have Bad Times at the El Royale, uh, which you saw last week and thought was pretty interesting. First Man, which we're going to see in a couple days, and we're excited about that one. Brian Gosling back with Damien
0: Chazelle from Whiplash. Nice.
1: And then some smaller ones. Colette, all about Nina, and The Hate You Give.
0: Yeah, so uh, a bigger slate of movies to talk about next week, but uh, for all about this week, a star is born and Venom. We'll see what happens. So, reminder: you can always also find us on social media. We're on on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Mad Wolf Columbus, and the main website where you can find all our written reviews and our other podcasts strictly about horror movies. And this is a great month for horror movies, yes, by is. the way. Our other podcast is Fright Club. You can find that all at madwolf.com. So, the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. Until next week, thank you for joining in. She's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.